0: Every part of your vehicle serves a purpose, especially your tires. When they aren't right, it makes a big difference in safety. So, find great deals on trusted brands of automotive and specialty tires for farm machinery, utility vehicles, and more at Blaine's Farm and Fleet.
1: Good morning and happy Tuesday, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hoff. Thanks for joining me this morning on the Midwest Farm Report. I'd say today looks pretty balmy. We've got a high of 37 degrees to look forward to, mostly cloudy with some sun peeking through. We'll see wind speeds nearing 20 miles per hour out of the southeast. Lows tonight will be just above freezing. Egg meteorologist Stu Muck will join us this morning with more of those forecast details. At the bottom half of the hour, we'll hear from Director of Dairy Policy Analysis, Mark Stevenson at UW-Madison. He breaks down some of those key issues facing the dairy industry right now. We'll also check in with Jen Pino-Gallagher of M3 Insurance. She's got information for our agribusinesses on staying cyber secure, so stay tuned for that. And of course, don't forget to stick around for your market update. First, I'll hand it over to Aaron Zimmerman and Jill Welke, who are looking ahead to what you should know about marketing your grain. Thanks for kicking things off with me on a Tuesday.
2: We're on
3: So I became a Farm Bureau member almost 20 years ago to be part of the state's largest egg advocacy group. Plenty of opportunities within Farm Bureau for somebody that's involved in agriculture, whether to grow their leadership or to help be a leader in an industry that we have a great passion for. WFBF.com. They've really helped my leadership develop.
2: A voice for farmers. A vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau.
3: Well, even though it's still winter, you know, when the crops aren't in the ground yet, they will get there eventually once things start to warm up. Aaron Zimmerman here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And Jill, you had the chance to talk to someone who's thinking even farther ahead than just putting it in the ground, but thinking about how we can market these commodities after they're harvested.
4: Yes, I did, Aaron. I got the opportunity to talk to Dr. Dan Bossi about the commodities and helping out farmers with their marketing strategies. This is Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn. It really, he was very encouraging and we had a very good conversation.
5: Well, I'm a uh, ag economist. Uh, This is my 42nd year. I have offices in Chicago, Sao Paulo and Switzerland, and we try to help farmers and agri business and the world food industry make uh, better decisions. And so, as we look at this and do our economic modeling and look at all that's ahead, we believe we're in a commodity super cycle. What do we mean by commodity supercycle this was the first time in history that the world produced a record grain crop and we're going to consume more of it than we produced never happened before and this is due to consumer demand and so we're seeing this consumer demand around the world as the pandemic hasn't really dented Uh, demand whatsoever. In fact, the flood of capital, disposable income, and lots of other things has really accentuated the outlook for food commodities. And we believe that this bull market, if I can use that term, goes on for two to three years maybe into the 2023 farm bill, which we think will probably get kicked down to 2024 because of the coming presidential election. You're
4: talking about using more than we produced in the past, so that means our stocks are gonna be going down?
5: We really need to bring into production, stocks are going down, we need to bring into production some additional 20 to 25 million acres in, in the world over the next five years. We have this concept in America called, what we call, peak farmland. In other words, for the last 10 years, we've stolen 25 million acres from a program called Conservation Reserve. And of course, the other program being hay. U.S. Hayland Acres today is at its lowest level since 1909. And so we're done stealing. The hay market is at a record high price. So as we look forward, we can't steal anymore. There's not a lot of, it. there may be a million acres here or there in fringe areas, but with the USDA now bidding higher, for CRP as much as $300 an acre in the last round and trying to get another two to four million acres in that, we do not have any more farmland to bring under plow. And so that is what peak farmland really means. And it takes us in a different direction because all of a sudden my farmers in Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, Black Sea, they all have to produce more grain to just keep up with world demand.
4: The big story that I keep reporting on is the lack of rain in South America. How do you think that's gonna affect the economy with
5: the grain production. We know today that uh, southern Brazil has had a record heat and dryness from the middle of November through the middle of January. We, in fact, in Argentina, in the last week, we've never seen another time frame where an agriculture area of the of the world, a primary agricultural area, has endured 107 degree average daily temperature over an entire week. This damaged tremendously in terms of crops. Uh, we are. Our, my office in Sao Paulo sees the Brazilian soybean crop at 131 million metric tons, that would be down 14. If we add on losses in Paraguay, which is a nearby neighbor of about 3 or 4, and in Argentina of about 5, we end up losing about 660 million bushels of soybeans, that's about 20 million metric tons. In the case of corn, we're about that same area, 18 to 20 million metric tons brazil and argentina combined so for the lo- your world to lose 40 million metric tons of grain 1.2 billion bushels is a big deal when stock use ratios were already record lows
4: what do you think grain market prices are going to do
5: well they've already rallied we have soybean prices back at 14 dollars a bushel corn is now exceeding six dollars a bushel in the cash market there's no room for any additional air brazil produces another crop called safrina which is their winter corn crop, and sofrina in Portuguese means little, it's not so little anymore. The Brazil has quickly become the world's second largest corn exporter. If that corn crop has any issues because of the ongoing soil moisture problems, or we have a problem in the United States or in the Northern Hemisphere, this grain market will explode. So there's uh, going to be high volatility and relatively high prices for as far as the eye can see. What do we need to turn the market over to a more bearish landscape? Well, we need a record crop in the United States and a record crop in South America consecutively. That can't happen this year, but you know it's something we can watch in the months and years ahead.
4: And it looked like we had a record crop in the United States this past year, but Brazil is going to be down and you're talking about having it in the two years in a row in order to catch up on our stocks. That's right, because
5: now in the United States we need to produce record corn crops each and every year. 15 billion bushels of the demand for U.S. corn because of ethanol uh, exports, And then we've got this new thing which everybody needs to pay attention to called renewable diesel. Renewable diesel is a brand new ingredient in the agricultural land outlook. And this is a diesel fuel that is just like diesel. It goes through a refinery. It's it's added, an oxygen is added, and it's just like diesel. We estimate, or EAI, which is the Energy Information Agency of the United States, is estimating that we will need an extra 28 million acres of soybeans within the next three years to meet this renewable diesel demand. Those acres aren't out there, and so are we going to steal from other crops or what's going on? This is a very interesting time right now for American agriculture.
4: We only have so many acres of land, so we can't really plant more. Do you think we'll be working more on the production side of
5: the soybeans? Well, we're always working on production. I think every farmer wants to produce more yield. And boy, we spend a lot of time going to winter meetings and talking to agronomists and trying to figure that. But we can only get about 1.8 bushels per acre average in the United States, gain in corn, maybe 4 tenths of a bushel in soybeans, even with the best advancements through genetics. And so we will get those advancements. But what really needs to happen is a leap of of, of new technology to get us yields that are closer to let's say 300 bushels in the high areas, uh, 300 bushels an acre in the high yielding areas of Iowa, Illinois, and maybe uh, Indiana. That's mm, a few years off yet even though it's happening locally.
4: We're talking about needing to produce more soybeans. Big story that I keep covering is the fertilizer prices. They seem to be rocketing up there and then we talk again about the demand and the supply and supply and demand seems to be a problem for the farmers and getting their fertilizer rounded up. How do you think that fertilizer price is gonna affect what crops are planted?
5: Well, it'll, it'll definitely have a negative impact on corn. We have lowered our corn seedings estimate to 90.5 million acres, and it's just because of cost. As I talked to the American Bankers Association a few weeks ago, credit lines are not expanding, so as these costs go up, farmers need more credit but bankers are very reluctant to offer them more credit relative to the extra risk that goes with these high prices and high costs. And so I think what's gonna happen is the farmer will plant more soybeans, which is a lower uh, costing crop, if you will, less corn, and now takes over $1,100, excluding rent, to produce on an acre of corn that's an exceptionally high price. And so it's not only fertilizer, it's a lack of chemicals like glycophosphate and all the other things. This is gonna resonate all the way into spring and unfortunately, some farmers will have to do without it by our analysis. And the reason being is that the world fertilizer market is higher than the U.S. market. So if there is any extra in the world, it flows to Brazil or other places. It's not flowing to the U.S. Gulf and up the Mississippi River for the first time, and this always gets me because I'm still a dairy farmer, for the first time and probably, this would go back to 2013, so we're talking nine years, we are bullish of dairy. And so the dairy markets really look interesting to us. We say that because the dairy herd is contracting rapidly in Europe, The pasture conditions are not very good down Mm -hmm. in New Zealand. So those two systems are not expanding milk production, and we're seeing this global increase in demand, which is not uh, uh, being satisfied. And so the price of butter has nearly doubled in the last four months, and milk prices look like they can sustain values above $20 in 2022. The markets that I look at show an upward trend for those milk prices, and that's good to see for our dairy farmers. It sure is. It's finally a nice breath of uh, profitability for some of the larger operations.
4: So that was Dan Bassey, and I'm Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn.
2: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. 80%
6: of you have said you don't want to haggle over car prices. That's 80% of you who don't want to jump through hoops or play games. So Bergstrom Automotive got rid of it. All of it. The haggling, the cat and the mouse routine, even the salespeople. Bergstrom Automotive simply has non-commissioned advisors. They're not trying to win a contest or make quotas. They're paid to do nothing more than help you. Bergstrom knows they offer the most desired makes and models out there. Allow them to assist you in selecting the right one for you. Plus, guaranteed credit approval on a vehicle you choose to call your own. While the other places wheel and deal, today's buying experience? The better way is at Bergstrom Automotive. Visit a Bergstrom location near you or bergstromauto.com. Join the Bergstrom.
7: Email from school. about the incident today? Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on?
8: None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night too. Did you have a clue?
7: No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids.
8: Half the time, it's rumors.
7: It can be hard to tell sometimes. But if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust.
8: Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff.
7: I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
2: Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
1: Welcome back. Stephanie Hoff here for the Midwest Farm Report. You know, we're less than a week away from National FFA Week. And if your local chapter celebrates, why don't you tell me how? You can... Call or text our talk text line, which is 877-301-FARM, 877-301-3276. Tell me how your FFA chapter celebrates National FFA Week, whether it's Drive Your Tractor to School Day or maybe it's an arm wrestling tournament. It's time now for our egg weather update with our egg meteorologist, Stu Muck. Stu, everything looks all fine and dandy today, but it does look like precipitation is on the way either by you know rain or snow as early as tomorrow.
9: Yeah, that's when it starts to build in. Stephanie, you're absolutely right. Uh, The really mild temperatures just starting today, believe it or not, uh, what we see this afternoon about three o'clock or so, I'd expect it may even be a bit warmer than that by tomorrow morning. By this time tomorrow, there's more mild air that's going to build northeast right into the state right through tonight and on into the day Wednesday. So some very, very mild temperatures indeed. But then that chance of precipitation we've been talking about. Let's look at what's shaped up here. High pressure is off to our north today. Fortunately enough, it means not much of a wind. A nice way to start the day. But through the day, the winds will pick up as that high begins to pull away and a warm front moves in from the west. The warm front this morning, southeast South Dakota to Nebraska, Kansas. It's going to move east and rise a little northeast. That's the reason the mild air builds in here but we do have to talk about some precipitation. Well, even this morning out ahead of that system, there's some very light snow in Northeast North Dakota, off into Northwest Minnesota, Fargo, Moorhead, that kind of an area. That's where there's just a little light snow to get the day underway. But expect that during the day, as that warm front pushes up into our area and as low pressure tries to build in, as a lot of very mild moist air streams north all the way from the Gulf of Mexico, All of those factors will work together. And that's when we expect precipitation. The latest models I've seen indicating the heaviest line of precipitation from Northern Missouri to Northern Illinois and into Central Michigan, lower Michigan. Now that would I think include Southeast Wisconsin in that band of heavier precipitation, meaning rain and or possibly mixing with or changing to some snow. But even then in that far southeast part of Wisconsin, I'd expect a tenth of an inch of rain or two and maybe a slushy half inch to a little more of snow that may be pushing it. Oh, and it may become a little icy as the colder air starts to build in behind all of this, but I don't think Wisconsin residents are in line for the biggest factors of this storm that will be further south. I think parts of Illinois into Indiana, they're going to get some snow, some freezing precipitation, things like that. That's something we can watch as we make our way through Wednesday. By Thursday, things begin to change. Unfortunately, you know, I've said it's going to warm up quite a bit today, tonight, and even into Wednesday. Well, the cold air starts to slide in Wednesday. Thursday gets a lot colder. Friday as well. Temperatures nowhere near what we're going to enjoy as we look toward tomorrow. But then it does turn around somewhat in the weekend. Nothing drastic. Oh, I'd expect on and off a little rise and fall of temperatures. That's kind of typical in Wisconsin. And that's something that carries on here through the weekend right into next week as well. I'd say by early next week, even Sunday, Monday, we may see a few 40s around here. Not at all what we expect for the mid or second half of February, if you want. The very mild air is really going to settle back in. I'll have forecast details right after this.
10: Farmers understand return on investment. They understand the power and the value of the sun. Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value. It's a business decision. Everything that farmers do and don't do on their land and their with their property is money. <laughs> so one of the things that I heard one farmer say, it's a crop that I am yielding. <laughs> uh, instead of harvesting corn on this little section, he's harvesting sunlight to make electricity you should reach out to us and we will come out there for a very specialized specific quote for you to look at your farm. We can put solar anywhere. We can put it on a barn. We can put it on the ground. We can put it on a hill. (laughs) So we can put it anywhere that makes sense to you and your farm and your situation. And then once we design that, Even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a zero dollar energy bill.
8: Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy.
1: You know, Stu, I can't help but feel like maybe we've been a little spoiled this winter, not getting the amount of snow, ice, rain, you know, that we're used to getting. Um, It's nice, but maybe there's some, you know, caution about droughts coming up then this spring.
9: Absolutely. That's been a concern here through most of the the winter season where we've been a little short on snow, Stephanie, you know, thinking about that drought, what possibilities result, you know, a quarter inch of rain or so out of this system, although it wouldn't be very popular Would melt snow, probably would cause some ice in places. It would be much needed moisture that would be around here when spring finally does arrive. So take the precipitation as it comes. We just have to exercise a lot of caution. Today, not the day to be too worried about that, though. Although mostly cloudy skies will be in store, it will brighten up now and again. And it really does sound very fine. Mid and upper 30s. Yes, I said it. Southeast Wisconsin could be at 38 or better. And the southeast winds will be strong, though, 5 to 15, gusting to 30, mostly cloudy overnight. Here's where temperatures rise, upper 30s, maybe 40 or 42 in the southern parts of the state. South winds 5 to 15 could still gust near 30. Tomorrow's the day, cloudy skies, especially in the southeast, say quarter of Wisconsin rain. That could mix with just or change to snow. Uh, Temps up in the mid 40s in the morning will fall back through the 30s in the afternoon as south winds become northwest, gusting near 30. Rain and snow still in the southeast overnight, ending early Thursday. Mostly cloudy, cooler. Most of us are going to talk about low 20s on Thursday for highs with that north wind still gusting near 30. So a lot of roller coaster for you, Stephanie. I mean, temps really going up into tomorrow and Wednesday, and then and cooling off again as we head toward the end of the week.
1: Well, thank you so much, Stu, for that. And stay tuned for news on cybersecurity and dairy markets coming up next.
2: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
11: So I wanted to talk with you and your mom today, Lily, because some people at school have noticed changes going on with you. And we're concerned.
1: Like what? Who?
11: Some of your friends, teachers, sounds like you've lost interest in a lot of things lately. You're hanging with new friends. So? So, individually, maybe those things are no big deal, but taken together, and then the incident the other day, you were with Derek when he was caught selling marijuana.
1: Yeah, he was selling it. Honey, we know, but we care about you and and want to know what's going on.
11: That's right. We just want to understand better and see how we might help. And if weed is a part of it, we just wanna make sure you understand the negative consequences for someone your age, the physical and mental health effects, poor decision-making, and the confusing legal aspects these days.
7: So what do you say? Can we talk? For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov.
2: Rock bottom fresh is gonna roll them out the
6: door. You gotta go to Gov you get more. Gov car. Goving Cars, you gotta go to water great deal. Find it here. We're your discount dealer.
1: Gobind cars is having a huge winter sale with the largest selection of vehicles under 15995 or 249 per month. That's right, don't miss out on our winter sale with the best selection of SUVs, cars or vans under 15995 or 249 per month. We have one of the largest selections of inventory in Dane County with over 500 vehicles in stock. Gobin Cars has been family owned and operated for over 50 years. So just come on in and ask for me, Crystal the Pistol Gobin.
6: East side, west side, used cars, used trucks. Discount deals, find them here. Gobin Cars, you gotta go to Gobin. GobinCars.com
12: Hi, this is Dave Gary with the Princeton Clubs. Since 1987, my team and I have had a couple of goals. Make it really simple for everyone to get started with fitness and keep our world-class facilities available at affordable rates. Well, we've done just that. And over 35 years, I've learned one really important thing. It all starts with you. If you'll decide now is the time to get in shape, we'll help you get there. I promise at the princeton clubs there's no joining fee we keep our clubs open 24 hours a day seven days a week and include free childcare. our world-class facilities offer almost everything possible and are meticulously cleaned and maintained we provide an amazing environment to help motivate you and more importantly it allows you to feel comfortable while you're improving your health now more than ever taking care of our bodies both physically and mentally It's so important. Come see why we've been voted Madison's best and favorite health club year after year, the Princeton Club, for a better tomorrow. To activate a free trial pass, go to
7: princetonclub.net. We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, kids make choices whether to drink or not.
1: Bye, Dad. Bye-bye.
8: Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over.
1: Hey,
12: have a seat for a second.
10: Remind me about that
7: party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
8: You no longer have to hide your hands. Your hands have been taking care of everyone else. Isn't it time that you take care of your hands? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Did you know there are several aesthetic treatments that help your hands look brighter, healthier, and more youthful? Treatments such as broadband light and chemical or laser peels help with tone, texture, and getting rid of those stubborn age spots. Skin-type procedures can smooth out wrinkles and fine lines, as well as add new collagen. Dermal filler, like Restylane Lift, is used to improve the volume in the back of the hands. The results are noticed immediately, giving you a fuller, more hydrated appearance. Most treatments can last over a year and are more affordable than you might think. Now you can show off your hands with confidence.
13: Let your natural beauty shine
8: through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsalkprairie.com.
3: Aaron Rodgers, speaking of taking deals, the Green Bay Packers are ready to do one thing and one thing only, and that is keep... Aaron Charles Rogers as their quarterback moving forward, and they are set to make him the highest paid player in the NFL and commit to him for multiple years. How in God's green earth are these jabronis going to do that in the front office as they're roughly $50 million over the salary
14: cap? Well, first <laughs> off... The other tweets by Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter also talking about how the Green Bay Packers front office and Aaron Rodgers are in a better spot than they have been in in a long time. So I think that's just positive in general. But two, the one thing you got to remember is remember Aaron Rodgers said not too long ago, it's not about the money. Correct. But the front office thinks it's about the money. A lot of what they've done in the past year, think it's a, th- probably a lot about the money seems to be about especially the money. because we're talking about salary cap issues and how they're like last check 52 million dollars over mm-hmm. and aaron Rodgers is about to make 46 million or p- plus going into next year so that's a huge issue going forward but yet they're talking about making him the highest paid player which i don't necessarily disagree with i mean he's the mvp Exactly, especially and if and if that's the type of contract he is looking for. But in the past, it was weird that he said it wasn't about the money.
3: Yep, but now the Packers, let's see here. They want to spend right up against the salary cap this season and spread Rogers' new contract out over many years to lessen his cap hit for 2022.
14: And see, now, if I was the Green Bay Packers, and to quote Ted Thompson in a perfect world... Do you, do you want to play it or do you want to quote it? <laughs> In a perfect world, in the perfect world with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, in my mind, you sign him to a three-year extension so he has at least those four years left. But I wouldn't be surprised if that quote-unquote three-year extension would be turned into a five-year with voidable years just so it helps spread out the... Sorry, just Ted jumped in there. Yeah, I get it. I mean, ideally, I'd only want him there for three more years, highly paid. But you have to add on those voidable years yeah. to help to help lessen, lessen yeah. the salary cap and distribute that money to different years. So I get it. And I think that's probably what they would do. In a perfect world, you'd. You, you. But now we got to kind of talk about the elephant in the room.
2: I
3: the mean, fact
14: that they're basically admitting that Jordan okay, Love hey, is save not that. the
3: guy. Say that, Rowdy, because we have a commercial break, and then I want to get into this. I saw a tweet Is Jordan Love the worst draft pick ever? Aaron Rodgers, Rowdy, you said the other elephant in the room is Jordan Love. Imagine being Jordan Love. You're The Packers traded up to draft you to be the heir apparent, and then the guy that you're going to replace gets hacked off and wins not one but two MVPs and has a resurgence and looks like a man who is at top of his game and leading his team to, now regular season-wise, the best records in the league, having insane years, the number one seed, playoffs run through Lambeau, obviously it didn't work out for the Packers, but you're Jordan Love sitting back there, and the moments you have gotten in, you look terrible. And Aaron Rodgers now is, as the Packers are suggesting, want to make him the highest paid player in the NFL and commit to him in multiple years. That tells me, Rowdy, and I don't want to steal your thunder, but what does that say about Jordan Love and the Packers?
14: Yeah, I think the writing's on the wall with Jordan Love. I I think the Packers are finally admitting that they kind of messed up on that draft pick. And he's not the guy of the future, or else you wouldn't be begging Aaron Rodgers to be coming back. (laughs) But like, let's not let's not get it twisted. Coming out of college, I mean, Jordan Love had an amazing junior year at Utah State, and then Gary Anderson came. Then he decided to go back to school. Gary Anderson came. He had a very inconsistent year. He lost a couple of guys that were his skilled players that were NFL type talent played on a bad team with a bad head coach, picked up some bad habits. But the the skill at the combine and everything, he's still an athletic guy with a huge arm. Like some of the intangibles are still there. But yes, when you don't have all the practice time due to COVID, you don't have the same OTAs that you had. You didn't have the same training camps. You didn't have all of the same practices all because of COVID in your rookie year, it really sets you back, especially at the most important position quarterback, where you got to be in there learning stuff. But then also you, you can make some of those excuses for Jordan love. Because we know your barn
2: smells like money. This is the Midwest farm report with Pam Youngke.
1: Wisconsin is a food processing powerhouse and that critical infrastructure makes us vulnerable to cyber attacks. And today we're talking about cybersecurity and food processing with Jen Pino-Gallagher in studio. Jen is the director of food and agribusiness at M3 Insurance. And honestly, I, I just said it, but I can't wrap my head around why food processors are at risk for cyber attacks.
0: Well, Stephanie, if you think about any company's operation, if you have access to the Internet, if you have email, if you have software that runs any of your operations, then essentially you are at risk. Cyber criminals are increasingly exploiting vulnerabilities that they find in computer networks at food processors, and they're using these vulnerabilities to access their computer networks. And then once they're inside, they wreak havoc. They steal data. They steal company information. Uh, They can even, in some of the worst-case scenarios, shut down the operations.
1: So is, is data, is that the thing hackers are after? What's the point of targeting a food processor?
0: Well, To put it really simply, money. Hackers are able to monetize the data that they steal from the companies that they are able to breach. Um, And in most, what I've seen is statistics have shown that 86% of breaches are motivated by finances, by money. So really, that's what they're after.
1: You know, when we think hacker, maybe we're thinking someone in their basement, right? But hackers are, they're professional criminals. We're thinking about experts here.
0: Yes, these are highly organized, professional, business-like organizations, their business is hacking into company systems. Their revenue is the money they're able to steal from those organizations, either by uh, stealing the data and selling it on the dark web or by holding the company's files, data, ransom. And so those are their revenues. Um, And cyber crimes of all types are on the rise, not just the hacking that you might think about with the data breaches, Um, I saw a recent statistic that said cyber crimes, which includes everything from theft to embezzlement to data hacking, has increased by 600 percent as a result of the pandemic. Much of that because people are are working remotely, working from home. And unfortunately, 2021 looks to be on track to be a record year for data breaches of all types.
1: Would you be able to share examples with us or or talk about who's being breached? Mm -hmm. And because this is something that is not new. This has been in headlines. Who's getting targeted?
0: Well, companies of all sizes. Oftentimes, I'll talk to companies that might have 10 or 20 employees, and they'll say, well, we're really not at risk because we're not a large company. Companies of all sizes, small, medium, and large, are at risk. There have been several highly publicized incidents uh, in this past year of food and beverage and egg companies getting hit. There were a couple of egg co-ops this fall right at the beginning of harvest season whose operations were taken offline because of ransomware. The threat has become so prevalent that in early September of this year, the FBI actually issued a a private industry notification. And this is a threat warning that they send out publicly, specifically on the food and agribusiness sector. They highlighted the growing risk of cyber intrusions and ransomware against food and ag companies. And in their report, they highlighted several incidences across the company of food companies and egg companies that had been hit. Uh, in January of this year, a ransomware attack uh, took a U.S. farm completely offline for several days. They ultimately lost approximately $9 million as a result of their operations being shut down. There was a bakery company that lost access to their server and their files and all their applications. They were shut down for a week, meaning that they couldn't deliver on their customers' orders for that entire time significant disruption to their operations. The FBI sees this as an important enough topic to issue this notification to the industry. And it plays a
1: huge role in the supply chain. When large or small food processors, food companies are shut down, it can create a huge backlog, impact prices in the markets, impact prices at the grocery store. And as you said, this is something even the FBI is recognizing.
0: Absolutely, it can cause major disruptions to our supply chains. Uh, We've seen it with the Colonial Pipeline that was taken offline. Uh, It had impact on gas prices. You think about hospitals, it can impact patient care. Food and agribusiness, it's a critical infrastructure. That's why it's getting the attention it's getting when it comes to these cyber attacks, both from the hackers and also from the good guys trying to protect the companies.
1: What action should they take to protect
0: themselves? Well, there's a lot of steps that companies can take. I'll I'll share three tips uh, that hopefully they can take with them back to their office and start a conversation. First and foremost, make cybersecurity a company Priority, and that would include employee training. Secondly, install multi-factor authentication. And third, create an incident response plan. First, the the priority. We know that food processors have made food safety a priority since the advent of the Food Safety Modernization Act. And even prior to that, food safety is number one for food processors. Cybersecurity should be right up there at the top of the list as well. Take this as uh, a way to put resources into your employees, train your employees. Teach them how to spot fake emails. Teach them how to be aware of potential malware that's coming into their system. Help them understand to know what to look for. Hackers can gain access to business emails through social engineering, pretending that they are somebody they are not, and enticing an, an unsuspecting employee into clicking on a link. Train them on how to create strong passwords. I know I'm tired of coming up with new passwords, but passwords are critical. Uh, I saw a statistic that said 73% of passwords are duplicates. Don't ever duplicate your password, especially when you're in a company environment. Uh, Multi-factor authentication, this is a two-step process that requires you to go through one more step besides putting in your username and password in order to access a company's system. Many of us are familiar with accessing banking online or health records online where we get a push notification to our cell phone confirming we are who we are, MFA is critical. Uh, According to Microsoft, it can block 99% of account compromise attacks just by installing multi-factor authentication. And finally, create an incident response plan. What will your plan be if your company gets hacked? Who will you call? What operations will be impacted? What will you do? Really take time when you don't have a problem to discuss how you would respond to a problem. We work with our clients all the time to help them build incident response plans so that if the worst case, case scenario happens, they know how to respond to in order to minimize the potential disruption.
1: Well, you said it, Jen, but now how do people go about doing it? Where is resources? Where can we get connected to people who can help us get started training our employees, uh, who can help us set up our response plans?
0: There's a lot of resources available to companies, both public and private. Uh, The Wisconsin Department of Justice has information on their website about cybersecurity. You can ask your trusted advisors. Those might be your accounting firm, your insurance agent, your bank. Ask them for tips and guidance to get started. Uh, The federal government has resources for creating cyber incident plans. Uh, There's so many resources available. The most important first step is to have awareness And then start taking action to educate yourselves and putting plans in place to make your operation more cyber secure.
1: Yeah, and I'm happy to also put some of these resources, if you're listening, you can find on our website, midwestfarmreport.com. Thanks, Jen, for coming on with us today. Thank you so much. And now we'll take a look at our markets. But before that, you are invited to attend an upcoming luncheon and discussion panel covering the relationship between climate change and farming. Fabulous Farm Babe Pam Yankee will be moderating the event on February 23rd. The luncheon is titled Seeking a Sustainable Future. It'll be at the Fox Valley Technical College's D.J. Bordini Center, just off of Highway 41 in Appleton. You can find the registration link for that luncheon at MidwestFarmReport.com. From Chicago, cash corn is trading at 6.47 and three quarters. That's down eight cents. December new crop corn is trading at 5.93, down a nickel and a quarter. Cash beans are down nine cents at 15.61, and November new crop soybeans are down seven and three quarters at 14.34 and three quarters. Cash wheat is down 16 and three quarters at 7.82 and a half, and July new crop wheat is down 15 and a quarter at 7.86 and a half. Now, you probably got enough sweets to satisfy that sweet tooth over Super Bowl weekend and Valentine's Day, but I've got another option for you. UW-Platteville recently welcomed Pioneer Sweets to campus. It's a student-managed ice cream business that got on its feet thanks to a grant from Compere Financial. And in order to focus on expansion, they're also borrowing money from the UW Dairy Innovation Hub. Dairy science professor Tara Montgomery advises Pioneer Suites. She says they've been discussing having a dairy plant on campus for nearly a decade. Student employees now have an opportunity to develop new flavors, work with clients, and navigate that food production licensing and regulation. She says in the future, they will have a fully operating retail space and will use milk from Platteville's own dairy cows. And on the topic of dairy, Class three March milk is unchanged at twenty two eighty one a hundredweight, and April milk is trading at $23 a hundredweight. That's down 25 cents. And on the close yesterday, barrel cheese was up 4 cents at $1.95. The 40-pound black cheese was up 3 quarters of a cent at $1.91 and a half, and AA butter was up 3 cents at 2 and a half. Stay tuned for Dairy Economist and the Director of Dairy Policy Analysis at UW-Madison, Mark Stevenson, coming up next.
2: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
11: When someone breaks important safety rules and drives negligently, a crash is often the result. If you're caught in a crash because another driver broke the rules, it can feel unfair and for good reason. It's not fair when you're injured through no fault of your own. It's not fair when your life is now very different. We can help. At Clifford and Reihala, after decades of helping people injured because someone else broke the rules, we know what you're going through and we're ready to stand by you. Here you'll find caring, compassionate attorneys committed to helping you recover everything you've lost. If you've been in a crash, Call Clifford and Rihala for a free consultation on your injury claim. We'll fight to make things right so that now you're treated fairly.
0: For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com.
8: Are you ready for the next generation of body sculpting? A skincare minute with skincare expert, Michelle Neeson. Current body shaping devices have addressed unwanted stubborn fat and skin laxity. But what if we want more muscle strength and toning? M-Sculpt is our new body sculpting device at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie that uses high-intensity electromagnetic contractions with a 30-minute treatment described as equivalent to 20,000 crunches. M-Sculpt is approved for abdomen, arms, thighs, and calves. And it's also the world's first non-invasive butt toning and lifting procedure. MSculpt is a safe, effective addition to any workout program. The possibilities are endless.
5: Let your natural beauty shine
8: through. View our specials at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie.com.
2: Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
1: Some attention grabbers right now in the dairy industry include cows moving out of the southwestern part of the U.S., new dairy processing facilities coming online in the upper Midwest, and federal milk marketing order reform. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. These are just a few of the headlines that I break down with Mark Stevenson Mark is the Director of Dairy Policy Analysis at UW-Madison. Mark, first tell me what we need to know about what's happening with dairies in the southwest region of the U.S.
13: Um, we have lost some large farms out of there in, in this past year, and that's unusual. Typically, um, Those farms have been quite stable and even uh, growing. Um, but it's a place where farming system is a little different than it is in the upper Midwest. Uh, Not everybody there is growing their own forage base. And so they have a tendency to buy, purchase more uh, dairy cow feed than we do. And feed has been very expensive. So uh, corn prices have been high. Protein prices like soybean meal has been high. Alfalfa hay has been very high. So um, it's just made it difficult for some of those farms under the relatively lower milk prices we had last year to really make a profit
1: so where are those cows going then
13: in general over this last year last half year anyway um, we've just lost cow numbers out of the U.S. dairy herd Um, that's not always the case but um, we hit a peak of dairy cow numbers back in May and June of this past year and actually those were the highest cow numbers We've had in the US for about 38 years. And since that time, as we've lost dairy herds, uh, the US dairy cow numbers have declined. Uh, they're down somewhere around uh, uh, 9.3 million uh, dairy cows, and uh, they had been up around 9.5. So, you know, we've lost quite a bit.
1: Yeah, another reason we're asking if those cows are moving uh, around the U.S. is if there's any dairy, new dairy processing facilities coming online, any large ones in the Dakotas or you know somewhere else that that you think is worth noting.
13: We've had uh, dairy processing capacity added um, in several parts of the country. Um, one of them has been in the Southwest, but there have been two or three plants in that um, I-29 corridor um, of uh, Western Minnesota and Eastern South Dakota, where they've added plant capacity. And we've, even here in the uh, state of Wisconsin, they've added some plant capacity. And of course, one of the ones that people have talked about quite a bit in the last year has just come online is a very large plant in Michigan, and that was a greenfield plant. So that wasn't capacity added to existing location. That was a brand new plant. Very large plant. So those things are taking some milk.
1: As a result, do we see cows moving that way?
13: We've had an increase in animals in some of these upper Midwestern states. That's correct. Right now, the last report, I believe, was fairly stable for cow numbers. I'm not looking at it in front of me as far as Wisconsin goes, but South Dakota's been on a tear. They've been adding quite a bit in every one of these months. As Farms are trying to ramp up to meet the uh, needs of the plants in that area.
1: As we get nearer to the season of spring flush in milk production, what are you predicting in terms of volume?
13: Well, we, uh, we always look forward to spring flush. I mean, it is a time when we can challenge our plant capacity if we have a really big flush. Right now, it doesn't look to me like we're going to have that big a flush. Our dairy cow numbers have stabilized. Their growth isn't going too too awfully much. And milk per cow has been moderate. Um, It's been actually at about the same level as it was a year ago. Uh, Now, if all those things continue to grow, we could have a big flush, but I don't think we're going to. The, The spring flush is also a time when traditionally we make quite a bit of cheese that is held in storage for several months uh, for our big demand season of the year, which is in the fall time. So, you know, a light spring flush would be a pretty bullish sign for the dairy markets, pardon that pun, Um, but, you know, it would be a sign that uh, milk prices would remain strong through uh, a good portion of the year.
1: I want to talk dairy policy now, Mark. I want to ask your thoughts on milk marketing order reform.
13: It wouldn't matter if you were talking to most any dairy plant or most any dairy farmer. Everybody would tell you that they have some level of dissatisfaction with the federal milk marketing orders. And, you know, I don't know if that means that they're threading the needle pretty well, you know, if everybody's a little dissatisfied. But there are some some issues. Um, Last year, we had these very big negative producer price differentials on farmers' milk checks. That's kind of an artifact of where milk prices were last year, um, very high class three or cheese prices and relatively low class four or butter and powder prices. Um, but that's a, uh, an artifact of federal order pricing system that we have. Um, so farmers didn't like that. And we also have uh, dairy plants The way that we're currently determining those minimum prices is with product price formulas. And they have something that's called a make allowance in those formulas, which is an allowance for plants to transform raw milk into finished products like cheese or butter. And those have not been changed um, for a long, long time. I think 2007 was the last or eight was the last time that those were changed. So dairy processors are saying, look, our costs haven't been steady over that time period either. So uh, I think we will have a hearing uh, at some point in time to uh, listen to changes in federal milk marketing orders. I'm just not sure how extensive those are going to be.
1: Mark Stevenson along with us, the director of dairy policy analysis at UW-Madison. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. Thanks for taking along with me on a Tuesday.